0: you turn with me to Ecclesiastes, and if you would please stand with me as I pray and as we read. I want you to remain standing today as I read the Word of God. I'm going to pray and jump right into the Word. Ecclesiastes 3:16 through 22 will be the passage. Today, God, we are so indeed thankful for your presence and your grace and your glory. To those that have come, and we know that there are many people still not doing well in their bodies, we lift up to Fanny Coleman, those of the Coleman family that are not here. We lift up Kisa today and Bridget, who has seen snow for the first time, of being there in snow, and so we thank you. But would you touch her very heart that she will put this matter in your capable hands. We thank you for bringing Samantha back safely. And for those who are still recovering, we are praying that you will Give them a full recovery that you'll be honored. We love you. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is singing today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you will remain standing, I'm going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 16 through 22. Then you may be seated. If you want to follow along on the board, uh, the screen, it is there as well. And before I start, I just need to say a special thank you to those who help with the food ministry, and especially to Letitia who has been helping and taking food up to a person by the name of Mother Eileen Simmons, who we've been in contact with, and is a part of us in a way that she can't get here, but she's been ministering to her by taking food on Thursdays and then making a plate, and I drop it off on Sundays. Um, it would be great if the women could uh, visit her on occasion. Like I would love to have our women be able to include her on your visits. She has nobody that's seeing her on a consistent basis, and so... I want to let you know that she's very grateful and uh, wanted to just have us remember her. I think it's This is what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3.16. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. I'll just read it from here. And in, and in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beast. For all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot, who can bring him to see what will be after him. As you are sitting down, repeat after me. Who will have the last word? That is the title. Who will have... The last word. You may be seated. Thank you. Point number one, and I'm going to just only have one point, and several things that you know, but oftentimes when I say that under this point, but heaven rules. Heaven rules. I want to take at least four um, examples and use as a backdrop as we have read this passage here, and I, and I want to look at the book of Daniel as part of this uh, backdrop. In Daniel chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but you can write, write it down if you are writing the scriptures down, we find that King Nebuchadnezzar built a golden image and placed it on the plain, or in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. We noted not long ago that Babylon um, was in the place, or is known also as Shinar, and the word Babel means the the, the Hebrew word to confuse Babel was Babylon. Now we note in Daniel chapter 3, Verse 7, and in fact, I'm going to just read 3, in fact, who has 3, 7? Daniel 3, 7. someone would read 3, 7, that would be tremendous. Uh Uh-huh. Amen. You know, just because I'm recording, I better go ahead and read it as well. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Every nation. What this tells me is that in this location, there are not only the, the tribe of Judah who has been taken captive to Judah, but there are other nations that have become slaves of Nebuchadnezzar. And the word went out that when you hear this various music playing, you are to bow down to the golden image that I have made. If you recall, there was a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, had, and, and it was a large figure, but the body was made of different parts. But you will note, I'm going to wait as Sister Florence gets to her phone, there is this matter of this image this large image it is believed that the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar made was based off the dream that he had but I want you to note something the image that he constructed was of pure gold and he informed the people that you are to bow down And you are to worship this image. Let me say this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their names had been changed. They had been given Babylonian names. And because they had been instrumental in helping Daniel interpret one of the dreams that King Nebuchadnezzar had, they were promoted along with Daniel, and they were given positions of honor. The people that were of the land, they were jealous, just didn't like them. And they were looking for ways to bring them down, looking for ways to destroy them. And so when this command went out from the king, when you hear this music, not only was it for the people to bow, but every one of his administrators. Let me just say this. You are to honor God or honor the name of the Lord, no matter the place, wherever you may go. You have a responsibility... No matter what day of the week it is, no matter what you might be doing to honor God. Honoring the Lord is just not on Sunday. He's to be honored every day of the week. Holiness does not begin after you go to the club on Saturday night and put on your Christian music on Sunday. That's not the day holiness begins. You are to be holy every day of the week behind the doors when nobody is looking. These three Hebrew boys that had been promoted showed character, showed determination. They showed that they honored God even when they were given this position, that they would be faithful to the King of glory. It didn't make a difference to them that they had been given these positions. But one thing was made very clear. Of all the people that were bowing, These three young men stood up and said, we're not going to bow. Solomon said back in chapter 3, verse 16 of his passage, that that I've seen an injustice. In the place of righteousness and in the place of justice, I've seen wickedness. So I use this story of these three Hebrew boys as number one uh, because they had positions of responsibility and honor. They were in the place of making decisions and and having judgments. And there was evil around them because people didn't like what they stood for. If you stand for something, people ain't gonna like you. People are not going to like you if you stand for something. You have people that will that will say they think there's something. Just because they're doing the right thing. You need to learn to do the right thing whether people pay attention to you or not. It is just good to do the right thing. One of the things that you've got to remember, you have an audience of one and that's the Lord. We find that even under the threat of the king, when he's told that these three young men are not bowing, king, to the image that you set up. What do you mean they're not bowing to my image? Bring them boys here to me. And he said, boys, I really like you. I, I, I like what you stand for. I remember the time that you interpreted my dream. I'm just adding a little bit in here. <laughs> but, but, but I want you to know that, that, that I can't have you disrespecting me. When you hear the music, I'm going to give you another chance. Now, if it was somebody else, they would have already been gone. They would have they been terminated, but because I like you. I know the spirit of the gods are in you. I'm going to give you another chance to bow to the image that I have set up. Now, going out, he says, King, before they could even leave, we're, we're not careful to, to answer you in this matter. We've already determined in our soul, in our heart, and mind that we're not going to bow, whether. You throw us in the fiery furnace no matter what you do. We have already determined that we're going to live for God no matter what. That's what you've got to remember. No matter what comes, you've got to be willing to stand and live for the Lord. They refused, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. We often make a fundamental mistake that if we are in the place that God wants us to be, that certain difficulties will just pass us by. That is not true. Because many would be saying, Lord, why did you let them go into the fiery furnace? Because God does not always deliver you from your trials, but he will deliver you in your trials. We've got to understand that they had to go through, but they had already determined that we're going to go through. So even though they were righteous, there was evil around them. It is in the midst of the fire that God can protect you and reveal to others just who he is. God does not have a problem showing people who he is. He's God. The second person that we look at in regards to this is the person by the name of Daniel. Now, Daniel had so distinguished himself that we see in chapter 6, if you want to turn over there or just note that in your notes, that Daniel had been there under a couple of administrations. He was taken to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. It was this king who said to one of his leaders, I I want you to take some of those young boys, some of those young men that are in Judah, some of the smart ones, some of the good-looking ones, and I want you to train them in the languages and all the customs of the Babylonians. Teach them well, and and then I I want you to do this now. For three years, it was three years they went through this. And after three years, they were to then be tested by the king, and they would then enter into the king's service. It it, it is these four young men, Daniel and and his friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that so distinguished themselves that when they were brought to the king, he said, man, there's nobody that has wisdom like these young men. No one liked them, and he gave them special honor and recognition, and they worked in the king's court. It was this Daniel that had interpreted a couple of the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar, and it is this Daniel who refused to to become a part of that which was evil. Now, in chapter 6, we have Nebuchadnezzar that's gone off the scene, and we have now the meat and the Persians that have come in and that have now occupied Babylon. And we have Darius, who is now the king on the throne. He's placed in a high position, Daniel. But there are people who don't like him because why? He prays. He has no faults. In fact, he's a foreigner. Moved here and he surpassed us. How can we get him? Do you not know there are some people plotting your demise? Do, do you not know there are some people after you? Now, now, now listen carefully. I'm not talking that people are after you because you've done something wrong. I'm talking about people who have not done anything wrong and they just don't like me. Daniel was one of those individuals who so distinguished himself that others around him were jealous of him. And says, how can we get him? But you need to understand who's in charge. You you need to understand that there is a person that if you serve the king of glory, he is the one that takes care of you. Daniel was given a high position even under Darius. Darius had placed what's called satraps or administrators or officials over provinces. And then he took three of the um, members of his court and placed them over the sacreps. And Daniel was one of those ones. And it was Daniel who so distinguished himself that the other administrators began to look for ways to get him.
1: But they couldn't
0: find anything wrong with his administration. And they decided, you know what, we're not going to find anything against him unless it's against his God. Now, the moment you began plotting against against the king of glory through one of his children, you are in trouble. Don't you know that you are someone in God's kingdom? Don't you know that if a person is bothering you and you are in the will of God, they are on dangerous ground? But if you are living in sin and doing everything God has not told you, and you began to complain, I'm being persecuted, how do you know God is not the one that's sending it? Sometimes we have this idea that I'm being persecuted myself, but it may be just how you are living and God is trying to get your attention that you are in sin, come out of sin. But when you're living for the Lord and living and doing what God says, the enemy's going to be throwing things at you. Yes, he is. But when you've got the great God and the great creator on your side, you don't even have to worry about it because he's the one that takes care of you. So in the place of justice and righteousness, there was injustice and there was wickedness. And Daniel becomes the recipient of their concerns and they make this decree and make this, this plan and they decide that they there, 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 were going to go to the king and say, The king, there's nobody that we want to ask anything of any person or any God for 30 days. Except you, okay? And, and I want you to we want you to write it down. Put it, it down and put your signet ring to it. So that it can't be changed. King, King. to pride, yes. But the moment it was done, it was Daniel who would be caught alive and they cross hairs. But Daniel, like you normally do, he says, That's fine. Went right on back home, opened up his windows, and prayed toward Jerusalem, as they did, he would still get on his knees and pray. The moment you think you can't pray, you're in trouble. You can pray no matter what. I don't care what anybody tells you, you can pray. There are some places, I just was talking to my wife yesterday. Uh, no, I think I heard on the radio. There are some places where people can't pray, and they got to pray with their eyes open. I'm not sure if that was you, with yes. Uh, because of the danger. In fact, that's North Korea caught praying, so those that are Christians, they can stand right there and pray to the Lord right then with their eyes wide open. Don't you know you can have a good time in the Lord with your eyes wide open? They don't even know what you're doing. Oh, God, thank you for your goodness. Oh, you are worthy to be praised. Hey, how y'all doing over there? The Lord is good and my protector. God protect me. Oh, look at what God is doing. I'm looking forward one day, Lord, to being in your presence. Um, yes, yes, yes. You can pray. Yes, you can pray. Nobody can stop you from praying. And your prayers can't be can't be hindered because of distance. God is a great God. And so Daniel went and prayed. And the trap had been set. And they came into a house. There's Daniel praying. And they took him to the king. Now, I want you to note something. Darius was so concerned and so bothered that he made this request and saw what happened and that Daniel had to go to the lion's den. But even though the three Hebrew boys didn't bow and were thrown into the fiery furnace, the Bible says that they were not harmed and that there was not even smoke on them. The Bible says that with Daniel, he was thrown when the king could not provide a way of escape into the lion's den, and, and they gave this instruction, "Oh Daniel, may your God whom you serve be able to deliver you. And the Bible says that the king went home and couldn't even sleep that night, and early in the morning, it was time for that day, and he went to the place where the lions were and cried out in anguish, Daniel, oh, don't worry, O oh king, the Lord closed the mouth of the lion's. They haven't harmed me. You see, there's a time that the Lord will allow you to go through dangers and be in very difficult situations. And he'll be a provider and protector right in the situation. And here we are. It's always trying to claw our way out. And God says, no, I'm going to deliver you out of it. Stop trying to get out. <laughs> I'm not sure if story, can, the story comes to mind. I was thinking my dad may have told this person had fallen in two. This hole, this well, and was trying to get out and couldn't get out. I he's stuck. The person that he heard a voice is, can't get out. Next thing you know, he's at the top of that well. He got out of there. <laughs> the person that ended had fallen in couldn't get out. He got out. He got out. <laughs> we we gotta understand, remember that God sometimes puts us into very difficult situations that we can't get out of. And he's saying, Will you trust me? To bring you out. And you you know there is nobody that could do this but God. Nobody could bring me out of this but God. But I want you to know that it was Daniel who trusted the Lord. And the Lord delivered him. Both of the cases so far were death sentences. And God changed the ordeal. The third thing. The third one. when we look at is Jesus. Jesus was uh, had to go through an illegal trial. they sent him to court at nighttime and when you look back at solomon it 's dealing kind of with a court situation there 's no justice. It will be dealing with either a priest or a person who was in a position of leadership. Let me just say this as a as a note. The people that were in ancient Israel when they would make decisions, they would sit at the city gate. That's where the official business took place. And so when people had matters, they come to the elders and those at the city gate to have disputes settled or have situations resolved. And, and you could get justice there. Or you should be able to get justice there. But, but when we look at what Christ did, he, he is taken to the governor and is taken to the, through the court process when the courts won't even open. Now you know you're in trouble. When somebody takes you to the civic center at nighttime, and says, we're going to have court and ain't nobody there. You know something is not right. And I would say, try to get away. But Jesus goes through this process and he says something very interesting. Father, if this cup can be taken from me, please remove it. But yet, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus had to go to the cross, not because of what he did, but because of what you and I did. And he went to the cross, even though there was an illegal trial, he went willingly. You see, there's nobody who takes Jesus' life. He lays his life down. And what we see in these three cases so far, we see that Christ here is the only one who died. Why? Because he had to die because of what we had done. Jesus was delivered in death. But we are delivered from death, the second death. It is the death that he went through that keeps us from having to be consumed by the wrath of God and face him in the second death. Because of what Christ did in going to the cross, it allows us to escape the penalty of death. So while he was delivered in death, We are now delivered from death and eternal separation from the Almighty God. The final example is Nebuchadnezzar, who had another dream. And in fact, I'm going to read Daniel chapter 4, 27 through 33. Give me five minutes and I'll be done. Daniel chapter 4, verses 27 through 33. She should have a little board for you to follow along. And this is what it says. 427, therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar, At the end of twelve months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still on the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom He will. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against him. Nebuchadnezzar. He says, he was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. Who has the last word? God ultimately has the last word. It was Nebuchadnezzar, who had been given great power by God, who ruled the world, but he was an, an unjust man. Cruel. And the Lord sent a warning, saying, Nebuchadnezzar changed. It was through Daniel. One year later, one year later, the prophecy was fulfilled. When he tried through pride to take credit for what God had been doing. God is a very jealous God, and and somehow people don't seem to get that. They don't seem to... Recognize and realize that God is a jealous God. Well, He made everything, everything we have belongs to Him. The breath that you are breathing does not belong to you. The the, the fact that you are able to be on this earth walking and not floating in the air, the gravity it all belongs to Him. It is it, His laws. And yet, people somehow try to take what he's given them through the thinking ability and process and say, I can do my own thing. He gave us the mind. All God has to do is that I want their mind to be changed. And we become just like Nebuchadnezzar. The Lord says, until you acknowledge the kingdom of heaven, until you acknowledge, you're going to have this mind. I am becoming more concerned that people are willing to face God unprepared, even after having ample warning from God to change. There does not appear to be for too many people anything, not even death, that captures their attention. When 9-11 happened, there were people running and screaming and running even to church and, no oh, praying, but only a short time later, they tended to forget what had happened. It is the Word of God that he uses to bring salvation. And if the word is ignored, it is no wonder why many people are lulled into a false sense of security. So, who will have the last word? It has already been determined. It has been determined that the last word is from God. He said it. And the conclusion of the matter with Nebuchadnezzar, after seven years, after the dreams that he had, that showed this great tree that the whole world could see. But the Lord said that the stump should remain. Why? Because the Lord was going to restore him after he acknowledged that he, God, was a great God. And seven years later, the Bible declares and shows that it was the officials that began to seek him out. And he recognized that God is the King of glory. Who has the last word in your life? Are you still on the throne? Or does God have the ability to interrupt your plans? I didn't always give God the ability to interrupt my plans. I got saved, as I told you every week. I was always coming to the altar when I was young. I got to go get saved again this week. Ooh, gotta get saved again. Thursday, gotta go get saved. I got plan to get saved Sunday. Not right now, I get saved, I'll get saved Sunday. No. Come the time to where you grow up and say, Lord, yes, you have the last word. What keeps you from right now allowing the Lord to have the last word in your life? He's made you, he knows what you are about, and he loves you beyond measure. He came just for you. And I want you to ponder this as we prepare to leave. If God was to call me home tonight, where would I be? With Him? Or would I be separated? Having to be in the wrath of God. That's not where I want to be. All I have to say, God, forgive me of my sins. That's all. And begin to live for Him. And say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but would you show me the way as I go That He'll say, I'll take it and come on and go with me. That's it. That's it. Just, Lord, forgive me. I accept you as my Savior. That's it. You are in. Don't cost you a penny. It's a gift. It's free. Is anybody in this place say, yeah, I want him? Yes, it's time. I'm ready, Lord. I'm just so tired. If you're tired, he gives rest. Mm. He'll give rest even when you didn't even know you were that tired. Lord, we honor you today. And we thank you that you do have the last word. And that you allow us into your great presence. Into the very kingdom of God. You allow us in. You allow us to be a part of. You shield us, you protect us, you deliver us uh, sometimes from situations, but you deliver us also in and through situations and difficulties. There is nothing that you don't understand, and in fact, you have already laid out our life. Now may we walk in the path that you have laid out for us and get out of the weeds. May we walk in the path that's set for us. Because you have already ordained that there would be success in your will. And so today we glory in your name and we thank you. Now, would you be with us today as we leave this place? And even from the word that's been mentioned, even though no one may have raised their hand, God, may people leave and say, yeah, I can still be saved. May people not wait. May we remember that it's the grace of God. It's a gift. We love you today. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.